Welcome to the new segment of the Unyielded, Thriving No Matter What podcast, Rise and Thrive. I'm your host, Bobby Kaler. I wanted to create a super short segment that would be fuel for you so that you can make the absolute most out of this week that you've been given. Let's dive in to today's episode. Today, I want to share something that will help you have better coping skills, lower stress levels, better physical health, and higher persistence when pursuing goals. And that is just to name a few of the benefits. And by the way, that is not just my opinion. Those benefits are scientifically validated benefits. So what is the secret sauce? Optimism. Optimism is a learned response to challenge and to opportunity. And before you think, well, I'm not very optimistic, don't worry. Optimism can be learned. And today I'll share a scientifically proven method to help you develop optimism. Now, before we talk about how to develop it, let's talk about what it isn't. It is not being a Pollyanna. It is not just positive thinking. It is not sticking your head in the sand. It is not ignoring reality. I want to be super clear on something. I am a very optimistic person and I do not ignore reality. I do not hide my head in the sand. I do not hide from challenge or pretend that it isn't there. When a doctor told me that I only had a 3% chance of a full recovery back in 2003, I didn't ignore that. I didn't just put a positive spin on it and pretend that it wasn't that bad. But I did think, well, that means that 3% of the people have figured out the answer. So I need to find them and learn what they know. That is at the heart of optimism, seeing the situation before you for what it is and believing in your ability to move through it successfully. I believe that that is a key to whether or not we can navigate situations or challenges in a positive, successful way or not. Do we believe we can? If we believe we can, we continue to look for new information, new resources, and new things to try. If we believe we can't, then why try? That leads to two very important things about optimism. Number one, at some level, it is a choice. And number two, you can develop optimism. You can learn it. If you want a deep dive on the subject, check out Martin Seligman's brilliant work, Learned Optimism. He's a brilliant scientist and researcher, and his work is truly life-changing. By the way, his work on learned optimism came about because he first researched learned helplessness, why and how we give up in the face of challenge. Then he thought, if people can learn helplessness, why can't they learn the opposite? And that's how learned optimism and the studies around that was born. Today, I'm going to focus on how you can develop it. Now, as part of his research, Martin Seligman discovered what he calls explanatory styles. Essentially, this is the way that we explain things to ourselves, and and the way that we explain it to ourselves shapes how we feel about the event, and therefore, it affects what we do next. So to keep it simple, there are three Ps to explanatory styles, personal, pervasive, and permanent. Here's a simple example, but I think it'll give you the picture. Let's say that you take a math test, and you do poorly on the test. A pessimistic explanatory style would frame it like this. I am so stupid. I always do poorly on tests. I'll just never be good at math. So it's personal. 
It is pervasive, meaning that it is no longer just about math, right? It has bled into other areas as, as well, as in I'm stupid and I do poorly on all tests and it is permanent. I will never be good at math. Another way to explain this exact same event is this. I didn't do well on that test. I need to prepare and study harder in the future. Do you hear the difference? We are still taking responsibility and we are still seeing that we didn't do well on the test and that is as far as it goes. We aren't stupid. We aren't bad at all tests. In other words, it isn't pervasive and we are not doing ourselves to never being good at math, meaning that it isn't permanent. Instead, we're saying, wow, I need to be better prepared in the future. Hopefully you can hear how this optimistic explanatory style serves us well. Now, here's another example of how this helped me. This is way, way back in 2004. I was booked to do two sessions at a conference. And the first session was awesome. Great engagement. People loved it. Conversations were great. The second session was right after lunch. And I thought it was an absolute bomb. And I don't mean a good bomb. I mean a bad bomb. The client was happy, but I wasn't. I remember driving home and I thought... That second session was not as good as it could have been. I need to look at that and I need to think about what led to that result and what can I do in the future so that it doesn't happen again. I was owning it and I was owning changing it in the future, but it wasn't permanent and it was not pervasive. I didn't say to myself, you suck as a speaker. You should just quit. That would have been permanent, personal, and pervasive. And the learning and the growth would have ended. Ironically, even though I hated thinking that I had had a bad session, this turned out to be one of the most powerful things that could have happened because it led me to to a different way of preparing. And now the way that I prepare for speaking uh, engagements or workshops is one of my signature strengths because that experience will never, ever, ever happen to me again. But it all started with this quote unquote failure. This is the other benefit of explanatory styles in my experience. They allow us to experience the failure without being defeated by it. It allows us to turn a temporary failure into a longer-term success. So how can you put this to work for you today? Number one, build your awareness muscle. Start really paying attention to how you explain things to yourself. It's helpful to keep a journal with you, and as things happen, put your awareness on your self-talk. If you don't do well in a presentation at work, for example, what do you say to yourself afterwards? Start making notes about this. By making notes about it, you're going to increase your awareness. And that's key. Years ago, I was lucky enough to attend a Harvard coaching conference and I got to see Sir John Whitmore speak. And he's an absolute legend in coaching. And he was talking about awareness. And he said that often awareness is curative. Building up your awareness muscle in this area will go a long, long way towards changing this behavior. Number two, change your self-talk. Now that you've created awareness, you can change the behavior. The next time that you experience some sort of setback, do not allow yourself to beat yourself up or go down the pessimistic rabbit hole about how bad you are. Instead, stop yourself and say, okay, that didn't go as well as I wanted it to. It is just one event. It does not affect who I am or all the areas of my life. It is one event. I know that I can and will do better in the future. Now, this will take some time and it will take some discipline. This is something that I still practice to this day. It is probably why I am as optimistic as I am. 
And it's why I keep trying. It's why I may get knocked down, but I get back up. And ultimately, it's why I have the courage to put myself out there and try new things, even when there's a very, very, very good chance that I'll stumble. Because I know that it's only a temporary stumble. And that's it. It's just temporary. My entire self-worth is not caught up in any one action or stumble or even success. In coaching people, I see this a lot. We tie up our entire self-worth into any one action that we are about to take. My God, when you think about it that way, no wonder trying something new is so scary. But that's a topic for another episode. But please, please, please don't do that to yourself. It's just an action. It's not you. So I hope that you try out those two steps and let me know how it goes. And a quick favor for all of you sales professionals and sales leaders out there. I mentioned this last week as well, but as you know, I've worked as a sales coach with one of the top firms in the country for the last 13 years. And over the years, I've begun tracking a problem that I've seen hundreds of times. And I want to know if this resonates for you. And if it does, I'd love to learn more. Here's the problem that I'm seeing. While the salesperson or the sales manager is enjoying success in their career, and they like that success and achievement, there's this nagging voice that keeps wondering, am I showing up in all of the roles that are important to me? Is my career really all that I am? And again, I've seen this in hundreds of coaching sessions. And to me, it's a very painful place for a person to be. It's a very painful tension. And and it's also a problem that I really want to help resolve. So with that in mind, we are in pre-launch mode for a system that will allow people to gain clarity on the roles that matter, develop a game plan for developing success in each of those roles, and ultimately have a big picture roadmap that brings confidence, assurance, and peace that you're truly living your whole life, not just some aspects of it, but a whole life. So here's the favor. We're doing a bit more research and fine-tuning. If this resonates for you, we would love to chat. So we are offering a call to discuss your situation and help you find a way forward. And at this time, these calls are free because we're still doing some research and it would greatly help us out. If that interests you, here's how to book a call. Simply drop me a note at bk at bobbykaler.com and we'll take it from there. So that wraps up this episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and for listening. And if you haven't done so already, please hit that subscribe button so that you never miss another episode. And no matter what happens this week, make sure that you rise and thrive.